Okay, ready? Three, two. Ready. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just saw that on the notes it says movie pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just shared that too. <laughs> that was so surreal, guys. Like that was like they turn on border and it's <laughs> what? What is it oh say? Movie pass. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When that popped up, I definitely was like, "Wait, what?" Oh yeah, that. Where does it say movie pass? In the oh yeah, Brandon's pick movie pass film. <laughs> Let's go right into it, Nick. Okay, okay, okay. Ready? Attitude. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Welcome, everybody, to the Monthly Movie Dispatch, the show where we get together every month and we talk about movies we've seen, what we recommend, and what to avoid. What separates us from the other 100,000 movie shows on the internet is that we're high school friends, and we've been discussing movies for 15 years. We love talking film, and we'd be doing it even if no one was listening. Are you listening out there? I hope you are, because... I'm psyched about talking about movies. Uh, I'm here today. I'm Nick Moffat. I'm here with Brandon Bowlby in New York City. How's it going? We got Derek Deal in Everett, Washington. Hey. And we got Sean Bowlby in Seattle, Washington. Hi. At least I think that's where you are. Sean, are you still in Seattle, Washington? Yep. Nice. Nice. Well, far out, guys. Far out. Uh, Man... What a month. You know, it's it's uh, October 1st right now when we're recording. The episode will be out in a few days, but this is our September episode. And, uh, you know, we picked four movies that were coming out um, in September, and uh, we were going to watch them, basically. Uh, we didn't know if they were going to be good or not, but uh, we're, we're pretty eager to watch them. You know, the thing is the film industry is in a weird place. We... All four of us still can't really go to movie theaters, uh, even if we wanted to. Like, I don't think I would go to the theater if they were open around here, but there, there aren't any in New York or Seattle or Everett, um, if I'm correct. Uh, yes. Right, guys? You yeah. are correct. Yeah. Correct. I mean, there there might be like one around where you there's can like, maybe... Uh, there's some drive-ins and some drive-in stuff. Um, or like there, I keep hearing rumors about they're being able to like rent a theater for like $150 for yourself. Um, yes, and I heard about that too. They, you can do that in Washington. I okay. I'm just not positive. Where yeah. I have no idea where that is, but, uh, maybe like South of Olympia or something. Shahalas. But either way, um, so yeah, all four of the movies that we picked for this episode are movies that are available to stream right now. Um, and uh, we picked them ahead of time, thinking that hopefully we would like them. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll get to them. Those are those are the four movies we're going to talk about. But first, uh, we're going to do our film club segment, which is when Brandon or someone in this case it was Brandon picked a movie that uh, can be from any decade. And uh, we're going to do our film club segment. Uh, but first, I got some warm up questions for you guys that are related to the movies we're talking about today. So question number one, which movie is better, uh, Being John Malkovich or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let me change it then. What movie's better, Being John Malkovich or Adaptation? Adaptation. 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 <laughs> We got no adaptation or the eternal sunshine of the spot. 
Okay. Eternal being John Sunshine. Malkovich, Adaptation. Being John Malkovich or uh, Human Nature. Just kidding. We can move on. Um, Wait, what's no, your those, opinion real quick? What's your hot take? No, I mean, I, I just rewatched Being John Malkovich and it's brilliant. Like, it's okay. amazing. Really, yeah. I just love yeah. the crap out of it. But also, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind is one of my favorite romances of all time and uh adaptation is one of my all time favorite movies of all time so yeah i would i would Mm -hmm. put it at number three as well so um um what disney live action movie is better um the lion king or aladdin the lion king i didn't see aladdin aladdin Neither and I'm not, but I'm not going to say Lion uh-huh. King. Honestly, <laughs> as bad as Lion King was, I think Lion King was better. Yeah, see, I, the Jungle I Book. People I need to talk about the Jungle Latin, Book dude. more. I'm, see, I was, I was going to bring up Jungle Book, but it was like, okay. The other it's side of that easy. question is what's better, Jungle Book or Beauty and the Beast? Uh-huh. Jungle Book's like pretty Jungle good. Jungle Book, yeah. I think Jungle Book hate is... me, but Beauty and the Beast... Ugh, I think, sorry, I think Jungle Book I is know. the only <laughs> one that is actually better than the original. Agreed. Whoa. It, I actually happened to watch <clears throat> them both, like, back-to-back, the original and the John Favre. Yeah, I mean, like, the original just doesn't have much of a plot. It's yeah. very meandery. It's, uh, it doesn't have, uh, you know, a really an ending. It's kind of a meh ending and the, the live action version actually gives it a plot and agency and narrative and uh, is a lot more satisfying. Okay, cool. The music's terrible, uh, Brandon, but yeah. Brandon, I definitely prefer Aladdin over Jungle, over Lion King, by the way, though. Okay. okay. So um, hmm. uh, I thought Aladdin was fine, but, uh, you know, whatever. Um Cool. Uh, I just had those two warm up questions. Honestly, I uh, that that's what I got. So, um, you know, the other two movies that we're talking about documentaries and I just couldn't I just didn't come up with a question for him. But, you know, all all four all both those questions had sub questions on top of it. So I did ask you guys for four warm up questions. So um, anyway, I feel like we should just get into our film club segment. Uh, like I said in yep. the intro, uh, Brandon picked a movie from any decade, any year, any time. It wasn't a 2020 movie um, and encouraged us all to watch it. Like we all had to watch it. And like last month, Sean got it. Someone else will get it next month. And um, Brandon, do you want to set up the movie that you picked? Yeah. Uh, so the movie I picked um, is a Swedish film called Border. Uh, this film was released in 2018. Um, it was produced by the company Movie Pass in the height and the peak of that company's existence. Um, and yeah, like you were saying at the beginning, it was surreal to turn this movie on and the opening like logo <laughs> is just the like old school Movie Pass logo from the app. Um, and that, that company has just came and gone. Gosh, what yeah. a time what, capsule what a, movie. What a world was. It mm-hmm. came on like a wrecking ball and changed just, the industry just... forever. And then yeah. just vanished. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I I found this movie. Well, yeah, MoviePass was promoting it on their app, but I wasn't expecting to go see it until my coworker was just like, she sees movies all the time after work. And I was looking for a movie to go see after work. She was like, don't look at anything. Don't watch a trailer. Just go. Don't read anything about it. Just go. And I'm so glad I did. Like, it was one of the funnest theater experiences I had, like, that year. 
I remember like all the people around me were like gasping and, and giggling and just like, what the fuck out loud. And it was just like such a great atmosphere to be at this indie theater and everyone was vibing on this movie in the same, like in the same way. Um, yeah. So I won't forget that. Uh, honestly on repute viewing, uh, for me, I think this Wait, movie Brian, works. Tell, in- us a, tell us a little bit about the plot. What like what what's this oh, movie about? You know what I mean? I like just a little just, just a sentence or yeah, two, so like anything. Uh, a, cu- a customs officer who could smell fear develops an unusual attraction to a strange traveler, while aiding a police investigation, which will call into question her entire existence. Okay. That's the plot. Um, it's kind of a uh, mystery fantasy film. And um, it's a movie like very much about self-discovery from this lead character. Um, so I honestly thought with that like self-discovery and every scene is kind of like answering a new question that you have um, as you're learning more and more about what they actually are, uh, it works just so much better on first viewing. And in kind of second viewing, I was a little underwhelmed at what's essentially this origin story um, over the course of two hours. Um, and yeah, but with that said, like I loved how kind of far this, uh, like script and director took these like kind of fucked up concepts and like twisted visuals that are just so impactful. I mean, like, you know, specifically the, I remember the fridge and the cardboard box scene was just like blew my mind the first time I saw it. Um, and I hope it had like that kind of impact to you guys as well. Um, and it's just like, it keeps hitting those big moments throughout the entire film until like the last scene. Um, and I know kind of, I was reading some of your guys' little paragraphs on here, but I kind of liked the way it interwove this like really fucked up, um, murder storyline alongside of it, uh, that she's investigating and how that, and, or, you know, just how that weaves in and out of the, what's actually going on with our lead character. Um, so I was kind of on board with all of it, uh, but maybe my review dropped half a star from when I first saw it. Uh, yeah. I mean, so. Brandon, I gave this movie four stars. Um, so, you know, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, I wanted to give it four and a half, but for me, it just, uh, because it was like, this is a movie where, you know, I feel like I, I, your coworker was totally in the right by telling you to not look at anything about it because it really takes you for a ride. Like, you know, at the beginning of it, it's like, like, what's up with this person? Like the main yeah, character, like, she works at a border. Just standing there sniffing the air. Like, yeah. like why she looks scene. so weird. Like, just everything is weird. I mean, I don't think it's giving anything away by saying that, like, like she she just has like a sense about people and things. And there's a scene where she like, you know, she's a border guard. So she's like evaluating people as they're coming through the border. And there's a scene where a guy uh, comes to the border. and She stops him and she they go through his bag and there's nothing. And then she takes out his phone and finds a microchip like in the phone case. How would she know it's there? She just could smell it or sense yeah. it or something. Mm-hmm. And like, so <clears throat> what's with this person? Right. I mean, she, and she looks funny, you know, like she doesn't look like an, an average person. She looks like different. And, uh, 
So, you know, I, 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 I didn't know what this movie was doing. You know, what is this movie like a fantasy? Is it um, like an allegory for like trans people? Or um, is it just like a drama about like this weird person, you know? And um, I really loved that dynamic and I loved how it played out. And I don't want to say anything about how it turns out. But having it be about self-discovery is absolutely like so true. Like this is like... I don't think it's a coming of age movie, but it's certainly a like coming of who you truly are movie or something, you know? And, um, I, I, it's, it wasn't that. So then the movie though, like, like what I just said about the microchip, like, like the whole subplot of the movie is, is like them exploring that microchip and trying to like track down this like child trafficking ring that was on that microchip. And it's not, it wasn't a microchip. It was a, floppy disk or something but it was like a sd yeah sd SD card card, yeah and so um and i just i just felt like that part terminology (laughs) i just thought that that part wasn't like as developed and i just i i maybe it wasn't as developed it just something about the pacing of this movie was kind of off for me and that's why like i ended up giving it four stars because i just there was just something that i couldn't even necessarily put my finger on but it was just missing like a little extra oomph and maybe it was just that that mm-hmm. I, I just thought maybe it was that part of the movie wasn't as strong as i wish it was or maybe they could have just not had that part of the movie and had it been more full about the self-discovery but that's kind of what i was thinking but it wasn't that i didn't like that part i just uh thought it wasn't as powerful i guess as it could have been yeah i I think it i kind of agree i thought it was a really interesting idea and like a a, like a a really great like kind of narrative um i don't know narrative way to push push her forward yeah definitely but i thought it was kind of in this weird middle ground where it was important enough to to where it was the uh, the driver of her change and like the thing that that ultimately arced her character, uh, but at the same time, it they didn't really give it the time to, or or the screen time to like give it the urgency or get us to really care about it as much as I think we should have. Uh, and like for me, it was like every time they cut back to that stuff, I was like, oh yeah, this this stuff is happening too, and uh, that was it was just a little jarring and, and you would kind of forget about it uh, during other parts of the movie. So I, I kind of agree. It was in this weird kind of middle ground of the movie. It's not to say that the movie was like super fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, it really had like that same feeling, but I, I ended up blaming it on the other parts of the movie. Like I think maybe because this movie is so wild and like, like the fantasy is like the stuff they explore in it is just so different than like anything we've really ever mm-hmm. seen before. I think that I latched on to like the, the crime drama like more strongly. Cause that was something I could actually like really understand like kind of what was happening. Mm. And um, I almost felt like the, the other part was, was what was kind of slowing the movie down. Or even though that's kind of what the focus of the movie was, but it um, that self-discovery stuff, I guess, just didn't click 
quite as well for me as it sounds like it did for you guys while the crime stuff did actually click really well for me. Um, hmm. We're all over the board. Got, yeah, totally. <laughs> I really wish we could go into detail about the, the stuff yeah. that happens with her self-discovery. Like mm-hmm. uh, that scene in the woods, you know, when... Yeah. Uh, Oh my goodness. Did you guys like gasp? Oh my goodness. I was Uh, like, what? I was, I definitely, yeah. Uh, Out loud. uh What? That scene in a crowded movie theater. (laughs) Was so good. Can only imagine New York City. Like, whenever I've seen a movie in New York City, there's always like, loud uh people you know like yeah. there's always there's always big reactions yeah so i could just imagine people being like screaming yeah <laughs> the, the exactly so like laugh screaming like yeah but i think that's it's supposed to be shocking like that yeah mm-hmm. definitely. Well, the movie is so so like creative and like just well made that like it's hard to not like it like throughout the whole thing really interested to see like what other kinds of stuff this director's made because this is like for me this is like stretching like this is so far out there like Mm -hmm. just like how crazy and like like how do you i know it's probably more of a i know like some of this lore probably exists in some way in like scandinavia i'm guessing right oh yeah probably based on based on a lot of ideas and then taking them yeah, but it's like I'm so outside that bubble mm-hmm. that like everything they're throwing at you in this movie is just like, what the hell? Like, holy shit. Okay. Yeah. I will say this movie is like weird, not necessarily on like a filmmaking level, but just like on the script level, like on the page. And that's kind of, you know, a cool reversal of. Yeah, it was of really interesting how every it's really interesting how everything unraveled, like at kind of at its own pace, but as in, in like a kind of an organic and and natural feeling pace where it wasn't like, you know, it didn't rush the discoveries and it didn't like, like force the characters into these discoveries. It was like, it just, it was really nice the way it was laid out and it just didn't, didn't uh, have any qualms with like taking the audience to in these weird directions and making the audience uncomfortable with it. Yeah. And one thing that I really appreciated too, just just circling back around to the self, whole self-discovery thing was how how true it felt, you know, how how once the main character found out who she was, she became more confident as a person and it yeah. was like you could just see like her body language change like I mean, I can't mm-hmm. help but think like this happens to a lot of people in real life, you know, even though this movie has like allegory elements of allegory and fantasy. It's like like you when you find out who you are and you become the person that you're supposed to be it, there's 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 confidence that goes with that. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, find that pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So, I mean, that was that was Border. Uh, it's available on Hulu. Uh, so, I mean, I, I really recommend I recommend everyone watching this movie. You know, if if mm-hmm. you are yeah. down for yeah, a, kind of a weird, a weird foreign film, uh, I recommend Border. It's on Hulu. Um, I think all of us do. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. great pick, Brandon. Uh, thanks for yeah. making us watch it. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's get into our 2020 movies. We've got four 2020 movies to talk about, and uh, of varying degrees of awesomeness. Starting with, 
Who starting with yeah. um let's do it, Sean. Starting with the Disney Plus movie. Uh Sean's okay. pick. Um the big blockbuster Mulan. million dollar blockbuster. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So Sean, um, uh, I, let's set the table for this. Budget. <laughs> I picked the movie Mulan. Um movie uh so directed by Nikki Caro. Um the synopsis is a young Chinese maiden disguises herself as a male warrior in order to save her father. Uh, everyone knows the story of Mulan. Uh, most, almost everyone's probably seen it. Um, I actually picked this movie because I was kind of excited for to see a big epic blockbuster and to see $200 million up on a screen. Um, and, you know, it's just been forever since we've had a blockbuster, um, since we've been able to watch a large, you know, big budget movie um, uh, come out. And uh, I was honestly, I was pretty excited for it. You know, I've mm-hmm. I've definitely uh, never really particularly enjoyed any of the Disney remakes, live action remakes, aside from Jungle Book, which we talked about earlier. Um uh, but, you know, I was kind of I was willing to to be fine with a one of these movies as long as it kind of held up. Um, and Mulan's like a it, big cinematic story. Yeah, definitely. So so there's a lot kind of to be excited about and everything. Um, but so to, to kind of go off on a tangent here, me and Kelly are right now watching The Good Place. And there's a line in The Good Place, which I absolutely love and I think really applies to uh, to these live action Disney remakes. So, uh, Eleanor and Michael are sitting eating frozen yogurt and Eleanor says, what is it with you and frozen yogurt? Have you ever heard of ice cream? And Michael says, oh sure, but I've come to really like frozen yogurt. There's something so human about taking something great and ruining it just a little bit so that you can have more of it. (laughs) (laughs) And that perfectly describes these live action remakes taking these great classic Disney films and ruining them just a little bit so we can have them again. Sometimes Um, a lot of bit. Yeah. Unfortunately, this movie, it ruins them it a lot a bit. Um, And, you know, I guess like if we were to start off on a positive note, I, I would just say, they shot in some pretty locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some pretty great like Chinese scenery. Yeah, there's some I've really pretty nature shots well, like and Mongolian nature stuff. Kind of like valley. Yeah, yeah. Vista. beautiful mountains really cool. and yeah. I, mean, I think there's I think there's a few things that we can be positive about too. I mean, like <laughs> just like Asian representation on screen, like it's like all Asian all Asian cast. Like that's that's something, you know. And yeah. Um, the, I mean, well, you guys might disagree with this immediately, but like, you know, the money was on screen, you know, like the cinematography was pretty good. It was fun. It was pretty to look at and the colors were dazzling. Pause, yeah. pause, 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 pause. <laughs> no, they, they were for sure. Like there's, there's, but I think that goes with the scenery too. Like yeah. there's that where there's like a fight scene in like that. It kind of looked like it was in like a. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to describe it as other than the only thing I can think of is like, 
I've seen similar imagery in like uh, Yellowstone Park, like yeah, like volcanic, volcanic yeah, uh, and, activity. Not in a volcano or anything, but it's like yeah, the geothermal, no, yeah, geothermic activity, activity, yeah, and go. yeah, that was like just a really cool. Looking yeah, there were some really cool locations. There was there was some pretty shots. I would not go as far as to say that the movie as a whole was pretty. I, I would kind of go like there was on one hand some really beautiful cinematography and really beautiful colors. On the other hand, I actually thought <clears throat> it was a, a lot of it was pretty forced and uh, pretty clunky. And like a lot of it was really bland and like very overlit and um, uh, I don't know. So it was kind of a mixture for me. Um, and just like, <clears throat> um, you know, you could kind of get really get into all the things that they decided to change about this movie. They, you know, they didn't have the music. They took out Mushu and Cricket and they they added a villain to the mix. They uh, removed the love story. Uh, they added this idea idea of chi and magic and like kind of introduce a new uh, you know uh, fighting style to the movie. And you could kind of get into all those and like is the idea of bringing this into the movie or making this change a good idea or a bad idea? But I think like ultimately on a fundamental level, none of that, uh, nothing about the movie nothing about this movie or these changes really work because they didn't, they weren't accompanied by like any kind of competence or clarity or direction or like real complexity to anything that they were doing with the movie. Um, and like the themes of this movie were as basic as fuck. Um, the, Characters were virtually non-existent um, and the arcs were very uninteresting and never really paid off in any kind of meaningful way. Um, and, and like I found myself like uh, unconsciously like yelling out loud verbally several times throughout this movie. What the fuck is anyone talking about? Um <laughs> There's like one scene in particular that really stood out where after like, you know, the big battle, Mulan finally reveals herself to her, her uh, fellow warriors. And the the Donnie Yen character, the general guy says, your punishment is expulsion. And she says, I'd rather be executed. And then Donnie Yen says, no. And if you show your face here again, I'll execute you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck are you right. talking about? What, wrote who wrote, this? how did this, the, <laughs> like these movies at least have a baseline of quality control in general. And this movie just like that, that just like totally fell apart. It seemed like well, for this movie. Yeah. Anyways, and then, like, obviously and then she comes back, she comes back, like, yeah. you know, she finds yeah. out like that the mission, you know, they need to go and save the, the leader the king. And the that same guy who just exploded her was like, actually, you're gonna be in charge for this one. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. What? And, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I'd like to backtrack just a little bit, Sean. Uh, you were yeah, talking yeah. about um, all the changes that were made, and you know, personally, I think the biggest problem is that this movie like doesn't have any character like at all. Like, I don't know anything about any of the characters. Like, basically, mm-hmm. like I feel like 
like I know that the main character Mulan, Mulan. Yeah, Mulan has chi. That's all I really know about <laughs> her. And like honor and family. But like that's more about the culture than about the character. But like what do you think all three of you guys, what do you think is the most uh the worst change that they did for this movie? Because you you listed them. You said like four or five things that they, mm-hmm. they decided to change. Um, what was the thing that made the 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 wor- the the least sense? Like, what was the most fundamentally wrong change that they made? I think adding the chi was probably like a snowball effect that like they tried to work it in throughout the movie in all these different ways, and they had to start cutting stuff to like make that work. And then like, I don't know. I think like that from the beginning, like from that opening scene when she's like a kid. And they kind of start to introduce it. it like that immediately breaks her character arc apart so that it doesn't exist throughout the whole movie. And then everything just falls apart from there. So that's what I think. It's like the, the big culprit of the story just not working whatsoever is them forcing that concept into it and having to add characters and remove characters and mm-hmm. like. Yeah, I'm not sure why this story needs chi. Like it would have been I think it would have been perfectly fine to like change up the the martial arts style and like do kind of a more I don't know, you know, crouching tiger crouching tiger hidden dragon's been kind of brought up a lot in comparison to this movie. But like kind of just doing that like they they can they have these abilities and and they use them. You don't have to like yeah, it doesn't have to and you don't have to go in, through you don't have to add all this detail into like why it works and like, yeah, it's just it, why bring in the idea of chi, like just kind of change the, the way that they fight would have been fine, I guess, if that's what you wanted to do. So I would agree with that. Yeah. I, and honestly, Nick, I uh, probably have only seen Mulan once. Um, okay. I don't know. Well, the, I, I hope the ragtag team of friends was better yeah. in the original. I'm guessing that's something Disney would do right in an animated movie, but did so wrong in this. So for me, I thought the I honestly thought the biggest the biggest fundamental flaw of this movie was getting rid of uh, the dragon. You know, um, what's Mm -hmm. what's the dragon's name? Mushu. Mushu. I thought that was honestly the the biggest. One of the characters names was Mushu and one of the characters names was Cricket in this movie. But I don't I I heard those names as like that's almost offensive. But I think taking out the dragon like fundamentally made the movie like, quote unquote, like more serious. You know, this was like Uh a serious big blockbuster that we're doing and we have to add chi to make it more serious and believable. Whereas like the music, too. Right. They took out the music, too. And but like those two things, the music and the and the, you know, the the talking dragon made it like less of a kid's movie and more of like a big epic. And Mm -hmm. um I, I just think that like the dragon, you know, played by Eddie Murphy in the original was like such a fun character that she could interact with, like go back and forth with. And mm-hmm. like it kind of like grounded the movie in like a character way, you know, like you actually got to like experience her in her thoughts because she was like talking to someone working through all of her problems and like the situations that wasn't just her like, you know, like living like and sitting in silence basically, you know, mm-hmm. like you don't get to know this character at all, because she's just silent the whole movie. And it just like, no one not only, to. right. There's no one to talk to. There's no one to talk about how she's actually a woman hiding in disguise. Like there's no one that like knows her secret. So she can't like, you know, have any fun with the secret. And it just makes the movie really dour. And, uh, 
I don't know. It's just it's just very yeah. very strange because not only did taking out Mushu like fundamentally change the tone of the movie, but it also took away any ability for the character to have any interaction mm-hmm. with anyone. So, yeah, and then ultimately they just don't follow through with that. And, and like if you want to make the movie more serious and darker, like you have to I don't know, fo- follow through with it. Have complex themes, have complex characters and and uh have uh, basic dialogue that works, you know, uh yeah. to convey what you're what you're doing in the movie and like it just ultimately never never followed through with with you know, any of these changes, I think. I, right. I think one thing that really upset me about this movie is like when you go and see a blockbuster like this with $200 million budget, like you, you expect like some areas to be like bringing their a game, like some technical departments are like costume design, set design, CGI, like something is still going to stand out. Even if like the script fails on a lot of these summer blockbusters, but mm-hmm. here it was just like on all fronts, I was being like aggravated with how poor it was put together on just like every department I have gripes and they just kept coming up over and over again with scenes. And I was just like, in my head was just like, ew, like, Oh, mm-hmm. why? I think you why should are these like tertiary out. departments failing so bad? I don't like who's holding this movie together. Uh, um, I like that so you yeah. listed them out on the document, Brennan. I think yeah. you should list them all out. Like, I, and I can, I won't go into details, but just like I had gripes with the costume designs, the the set designs it had very Aladdin type complaints as well to me. Um, some of the makeup, the acting was awful throughout this movie. Even the location scouting it had beautiful locations, but some of them just like came out of nowhere and just like really ADD, not ADD, just like jump cut to these bizarre places. Um, editing was awful. Um, choreography was just. Some of the that worst shot you sent us is so. I've been showing oh. people that. Yeah. It's so funny, and it's weird that the CGI <laughs> was so bad at so many moments. Like I remember just the mm-hmm. rabbits like running next to her. Yeah, like it's two hundred. How can you not dollars. animate rabbits running through grass at this like day and age? Mm-hmm. Um, you and just came out with the Lion King. That's that's it. That's my yeah. rant. Um, Pretty shocking. So real quick, guys, I wanted to just ask you, like, uh, where does this rank among, like, the other Disney anime movies? I mean, I was kind of alluding to it earlier with my warm-up questions, but, yeah. you know, it's definitely in the bottom tier. But, like, would you say it's as bad as The Lion King? Would Do you think it's the worst one? Yeah. Like, like where where would you rank this one? This is worse than Aladdin and, like, this is the worst one. Yeah. yeah. I gave it. See, I, I I think I'm a little more friendly with this movie, guys. I don't know. I, I mostly thought this movie was pretty boring, but I didn't think it was, like... I don't know. I thought it was mostly just fine. So, um, you know, uh, I'd probably put it not as bad as Lion King. How about Aladdin? But oh, that is so weird. That is I so thought Aladdin bizarre. was better than this, though, for sure. So Okay, yeah, okay. How many stars did you give it, Nick? Two. Oh. Okay. So, did so you said so think this is, it was better than Lion King? Mm, yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, wow, that I think is, so. So, at least, like, I mean... I feel like, and it's because The Lion King, you know, like pretty much followed the original movie, you know, plot point for plot point. Um, It was fine. This movie, like, barely held together as a film. It's just, I don't know. And I guess you like it when movies take big swings and fail 
as opposed to just kind of buy the books. So I guess th- that is that kind of where more where no, you're coming that's from. That's actually or? the opposite. I kind of feel like this oh. one, like this one was just <laughs> by the books and it was just like boring. Like to me, this was like, I don't know. I didn't see as many of the, like, like, I don't know. I, like I said at the beginning, like I thought this movie was like kind of fun to look at. Like, I honestly think if I saw this in theaters, I would be much more friendly with it. Like, I think like I'm, I, if I, if I saw this in theaters, I might give it like two and a half or three stars. Like I might've had a totally different experience experience because I would have maybe been sucked into the cinematography but watching at home it was like I, I mean I, I told you guys this over text like it took me like three or four viewings of this movie yeah. because I kept <laughs> I kept turning it on and then getting bored and turning it off yeah. you know like that that was like yeah. my experience with it it was just like uh this is boring I'm just not in the mood for this and I would like turn it off but like when I was watching it I was like okay yeah I mean this is fine there's some action people are fighting you know it's like kind of just a buy the books movie that's kind of how I I, I took it I, so. I don't know that I'd make it through this movie in theaters honestly like I wouldn't leave but I'd probably fall asleep like I think seeing it at home kind of saved it for me <laughs> from being like a one-star movie because I I could at least like awesome. I don't know do anything else yeah Wait, like look at my phone or something like Sean, yeah, didn't yeah. Kelly <laughs> check out like yeah after like 15 minutes, minutes she was like do I have to finish watching this or can I edit? <laughs> She'd rather work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I get that text that you sent the other day. It was a picture of you guys watching the original Mulan. Yeah, or that was oh, Kelly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. She sent oh, well, that. She we sent need to move on, guys. Me. We've been talking about yeah. this movie for too long. We said yeah, before we, we weren't supposed to talk we about. We're going to spend too much time on it. We've spent 17 minutes just bitching about this movie. So <laughs> I think that we should move on. Yeah. Uh, so that was Mulan. None of us liked it. Apparently, I liked it the most. I gave it two stars. So this might be <laughs> our lowest rated movie that we've ever talked about collectively. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So. Um, Let's move on. Uh, the next movie is Derek's pick, and Brandon's actually going to take the lead on this one, uh, unless Derek wants Ooh. to set it up first. But then, oh no, that's fine. Uh, oh, I, oh, I guess yeah. Derek, you set up the movie, and then Brandon, uh, Brandon's got some like interview questions for for me and for me and Derek. So go for it. All right. So the movie I picked was a documentary called "You Can't Kill David" or "You Cannot Kill David Arquette," and it. Uh, Letterbox summary is following his infamous championship as part of the marketing stunt for the film Ready to Rumble. David Arquette is widely known as the most hated man in pro wrestling worldwide. Nearly 20 years after he won the initial title, through ups and downs in his career with his family, struggles with addiction, David Arquette seeks redemption by returning to the ring for real this time. Uh, yeah i know that um some of these like intro questions could we could all talk a lot about them but let's see if we can get through some of them i'm just like really curious from not knowing anything about wrestling and the history of it like derek this is your pick but also nick because you're super into the stuff too like what uh what was david arquette what was like in your mind um what he did in the early 2000s like what did you know about it and how did it affect you guys as fans well, this is more of a Nick question, I think, because I wasn't into it back when this was all happening. Did you? But yeah. then, still, did you even know about it, Derek? I I knew that he had involvement in wrestling, and I know that I knew that people hated him, but I wasn't sure like the specifics of what it actually happened. And okay. Stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very 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 familiar with David Arquette and his Thank relationship you. with wrestling. Um, first of all, let me just say, Derek, uh, I'm like so proud of you. Like, I'm like so happy that you picked this movie. Like, you know, I'm the I'm the I'm like the wrestling person. You know, like and and yeah. I mean, I remember when you first got into wrestling and we like sat down and I like was like, dude, let me tell you about some wrestling's history. You know, and yeah. like <laughs> like uh, you know, so it's just like so cool that you're picking this movie and uh, you yeah. know, okay, so. David Arquette started in a movie called Ready to Rumble that came out in like 1998, I think. And it's a really goofy, terrible movie, but it's like about wrestling. And it's like it plays the kayfabe like kind of thing. Like the movie is like about these guys who think that wrestling's real, but wrestling's not real. And they discover that, but then they kind of turn it into real. And like they actually like are fighting the wrestlers as if it's real. And it it's it's not a good movie, but I honestly think it's pretty fun. Like, come on, guys. Ready Rumble's not that bad. It's really fun. But, um, you know, so WCW and WWF at the time were, like, two different companies. And they had, like, the Monday Night Wars. They were, like, going head-to-head on Monday nights. And you know, WWF was, like, the established company that had been around for, for decades. And WCW was, like, the up-and-coming company. And they started doing much better than WWF. Like, they, they took over. They were killing him in the rankings. In the ratings, I mean. And then, uh, and then WCW basically imploded. Like, it, like, just creatively ratings like everything fell apart for it and you could point to david arquette becoming wcw champion as like the moment when it happened like one of the moments i mean there, there's a handful of moments like there's there's a point where like the finger po- poke of doom that was another one where like tight the world title changed hands because of a finger poke like literally like a guy got like like i think it was i think it was hulk hogan poked kevin nash and then he fell over and then he pinned him it was like finger poke but um but you know david arquette like you know he he was a celebrity you know and it's not unheard of for celebrities to be um part of uh part of wrestling i mean the the michael jordan documentary uh the last dance was aired earlier this year and you know everyone loved it i don't know if you guys watched it but it was pretty amazing and a big part of that was about how dennis rodman and carl malone like went at it in wcw and it was awesome. That was actually like really, really cool. And they were like also like playing each other in the NBA finals at the same time. Like it was wacko, but awesome. Mm. But like David Arquette being there was at best, like, you know, him just being there was kind of like, okay, this is just a promotional stunt. And then they decided to put the world title on him and the world title, like, is supposed to have respect, you know, even though this industry is made up, it's fake, you know, it's but predetermined. It's like, these guys, you know, they work their whole lives for it. And there's a lot of history and heritage and like honor in a lot of ways with the champion. And so to hot shot the title on like some celebrity, I mean, it's pretty shitty. Yeah. And uh, that really reminded me of the New York, like um, Broadway scene and the kind of new wave of t- film actors coming back, like reversing back to stage and just like kind of a lot of New York actors at least at the start of it, got we're getting upset about it. So like that's like well, if Hollywood like Broadway. Tom Hanks or something like you know, or a celeb Brad Pitt or something coming back to Broadway and being like, yeah. they're not part of this culture, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. But then like Broadway like crashing because of it or something. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, so I'm also curious. Um, like really the movie made like a point that he was really coming back and it was showing him like in the news and like all these like talk shows talking about him. Were you aware 
of his comeback. I had no idea until I saw the trailer for this movie. Yeah, honestly. Nick, did you hear anything about this? Like his David the David Arquette comeback over the last, you know, what was it, three years ago when it probably actually happened? Yeah, um, I actually like knew all about this. Um, oh, it wow. was like I wasn't following it like super close, but like you know, I, I follow a lot of like wrestling like uh, you know websites and stuff, and like definitely some of it got like cover like coverage. You know, um, that yeah. he was actually trying to make a comeback and. It was like this thing where, like, just like eye roll initially, you know, like fucking Dave Arquette. Just but so, but get I'm out curious about no one, you. Yeah, was your eyes rolling? No, I mean, no, I mean, yeah. My my reaction was like, no one cares. Like literally, <laughs> literally, no one cares. Like David Arquette, like you should just stay away. Literally, literally, no one cares. And uh, and uh, that's kind of what was so interesting about this movie, though, was that it was like, like no one cared. <laughs> like the movie was like, Hey, David Arquette, no one does care. You know, like you, he went to that wrestling convention and it was like, you know, all these other wrestlers, like old timers were signing autographs and stuff. And like, he just was like standing there by his table yeah. and no one was talking to him. And it was just like really sad. And, but, but then <laughs> so cringy, but then he put the work in and he actually like became like a pretty legit, like, like not a great wrestler, but he became like a, a presence on the indie scene and he, he like wasn't on WWE TV, you know, like it might've been different if he was like hot shotted back again, like onto like, you know, national TV, but you know, he was, he was wrestling in like bingo halls and, you know, VW centers, you know, and like he just, uh, he put like the, the work in on the ground level and like he earned like that respect and, um, like that there's a point in the documentary where, um, he has that hardcore match and it's like oh, really, yeah. really brutal. And he gets yeah. like, he gets like torn up and like, you can tell like he wasn't like anticipating that necessarily. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I remember when that happened, like I, I read about that and saw pictures oh. of it and I was like, you know, I was kind of waiting for that to happen in the documentary. Cause I was like, I mean, they're going to show that match. They have to show that match because it was, mm. it was bad. Like that was, that was I mean, bad. it was bad, but it, like there was one accident thing that that was you know probably shouldn't have happened right like that guy seemed like he was doing it on purpose at some point like yeah like he was trying to get revenge on well it was like it looked like specifically i mean it it looked like a piece of glass went into his neck and like i don't know cut his jugular or something like a serious artery it didn't look like the guy was trying to murder david arquette or i can't imagine Hmm. the guy was literally trying to murder david arquette I think but it, I, it I assume like it. that it's more controlled than it looks yeah. like that guy does that every night, you know, yeah. but okay. I don't, but think, I don't think that was supposed to happen. Right. I, th- yeah. I think Derek's right. Like, I don't think that they were nece- I don't think he was necessarily trying to get revenge about like the history of wrestling. I think at that point he was kind of already like showing that he was putting the work in and, but having a hardcore match was like kind of part of putting the work in. And then like, like those hardcore matches, like, you know, they don't really, those kind of matches don't really happen on WWE TV anymore. And they happen on AEW sometimes, but never to that extreme. They didn't like, even that mention was clearly, like the genre of match. I thought it was like came out of nowhere. Yeah. The I mean, documentary didn't explain that, that it's like a uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, oh, well. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, that's, those were the two big questions I had. Um, yeah, we can go back. Derek, what did you think of the movie? I thought it was awesome, man. It was so much fun watching this movie. Like it's just, it's done really well. And it's like, 
it's really fast paced and like has like a, that right soundtrack like and like they edited it just like perfectly where it just like cruises i feel like it goes it feels like a i don't know it kind of feels like a an indie like wrestling match like the whole time like it's just kind of like shooting through like all these things that he like went through to try to redeem himself and um I don't know. It's just, it's like, it's kind of shot messy and it's like, and it's kind of, it's, you know, quick pace editing and like just the stuff that we're watching. Nothing's like clean. It just, I like the look and feel of it just all around. Um, I thought that was done really well. And, um, I think what I, it's just a cool story too. And like, I think it's a cool kind of quick, uh, like run through of like the different scenes in like indie wrestling, you know, from, you know, he does like the backyard matches. Then he goes and uh, trains with some of the luchador guys and does like some of their street wrestling. That was one of my and, favorite parts there um, when he was like wrestling on like in between traffic <laughs> cars and, yeah. and then, and then asking for money. Like that was, that was so yeah. fun seeing that. Like, and that happens in Mexico, yeah. you know, it's right. <laughs> yeah like that was really cool and um i almost think oh, like two guys to were me so that, good that were yeah. doing this flips oh yeah God. they were yeah <laughs> they uh like everything about this movie like each of those scenes was so interesting to me like i i they could have added a half hour to the movie and i it would not have affected me at all like i would have loved every minute of it um i kind of wish they got like more into his like they kind of just skips from like a moment where he's like overweight to just not anymore. And, um, I don't know. That's just something that I thought would have been interesting to kind of cover, like what kind of work he put in to get to that point. But, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I liked it. I thought it was, it was really, it's just a cool, cool thing to, to make i'm glad he like was willing to put in the work and like i'm glad he had someone come film it because it's a cool story and i think uh it's like a nice little gift to the wrestling community you know to like be like i'm sorry but you know i really do respect what you guys do and um and uh there's like a there's a cool moment in that the movie that i liked and it was kind of i felt like a like people that watch wrestling or really the only people that are going to relate to it, I guess. But I didn't know his, like, who was his friend that died? The actor, Luke, Luke Perry, Luke Perry. Luke Perry. Yeah. And I had no idea that his son was jungle. Boy. Right, dude. I didn't know that either. Jungle Boy pops up and dude, what? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then like, just seeing that they, you know, he like pretty much grew up with, David Arquette like being his dad's like friend and stuff and then they got to have a match together and I thought that was really cool and Jungle Boy is really awesome so um yeah yeah um I thought this was a really entertaining good documentary um it was like pretty brutal at some moments and fun to watch even had some really like creative editing specifically when he's doing that like second or his kind of first big ish match with that other kid and um, he's narrating like the script behind their moves, and then it's oh, yeah. cutting. Oh yeah, with when the they're, moves. they're like that was just a really special like scene, 
And I loved and how they with, went back and forth between those two. That's really that's like cool a really good insight of how wrestling like actually yeah. works. Mm-hmm. That's something you don't ever really get to see. Everything yeah. is just planned out and they have it memorized like a play. Yeah. Um, every yeah. kick, every slap. It was, yeah, it's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of a like, we- different type of documentary. Like, and I think it's good to know that. Like, I was trying to think of other mm-hmm. ones like this. Like, the one that popped in my head was Super Size Me, where it's like one guy is just like, I'm going to create this story and do this experiment and just try to execute it, and you're going to film me while I'm doing it. it. You know, it's not like they're following um, candidly this guy like there's so much influence from David Arquette to the filmmakers and the filmmakers to David Arquette. And so it's like this kind of hybrid of almost like it's a film, but it's also really happening. Um, if you kind of get what I mean, like there's, you know, literally scenes of him, like on a horse, like smoking a vape with a cape and it's like, all right, they plan this out. Like it looks cool. <laughs> and he, to do yeah. a voiceover and we're all going to stand on rocks and have the m- music swell during sunset. Like they weren't just standing on rocks for no reason. So it's like kind of cinematic too, you know, like it's not just all candid. Um, But uh, yeah, it's different in that way. I think I kind of agree with you, Derek, that it could have been longer. There was a few things they skipped over. One was like when they started re-talking about his alcohol addiction after he had gotten fit again. And they just like glazed over his like newly found depression while he was on tour training. Mm. And I it like just went by within a minute and I didn't really understand what was happening. And it kind of felt like there was a lot to explore there. Yeah. Brandon, I agree Um, completely. And I think like, I think there is like this really interesting like subtext. It's not even necessarily subtext because it's like in the movie, but like the psychological element of David Arquette and like why he feels like he needs to do this. And uh, there's clearly like something like, I don't want to say wrong with him, but like he's clearly got a chip on his shoulder and it does seem like maybe like, like he, he does succeed in like winning over wrestling fans, but it's not like he is like on WWE TV making like millions of dollars. He's Mm. wrestling in bingo halls and like, there's something weird about that. And like the alcoholism is another part. Like clearly he does have serious psychological issues and the movie like touches on them but then doesn't really go that in depth on them. And part of that's probably because it's like his documentary that he's you know hiring people to film himself and he doesn't necessarily want to make himself look yeah. that bad or something, but yeah, mm-hmm. that's not what he wanted to explore, even though it was kind of happening. It's a movie about his yeah. wrestling, not yeah. necessarily about like, you know, his psychological yeah. state. Yeah. And like, like I said, I enjoyed the documentary and the scheme of things, but I also kind of thought it was missing like a bigger climax. Like I almost felt like he expected to get to WWE and that was going to be the end of the film, but he never did. And so he never like had a specific ending. And I don't think they were creative enough to like figure out how else they wanted to end it emotionally without like that big WWE scene that they probably wanted. And so the movie to me just kind of like was over all of a sudden and I still thought more was going to happen. Well, I thought the climax was, was supposed to be that, that wrestling, like the wrestling convention he goes back to and has the match at, right? Yeah. It still felt a little anticlimactic though. Cause it, it, that I think like that match felt like a stepping stone to where eventually he would, that that's where he would make it into like, if this was a, a story that was written, you know, like 
if it was a screenplay, that would be the match that that pushes him over the edge into you know jumping into the WWE or something bigger yeah. than or, that. Or or they uh, should have grappled but, with the fact that he didn't get to actually go in WWE and yeah. um, represent like himself. The, now, yeah, but they didn't do either of those. Or, or that put was never more, his goal necessarily. Like that yeah. wasn't his goal from the beginning, and I think that was purposeful because like that's like part of the whole thing is his goal was to win back like the respect of wrestling fans. And like he did that. And just that climax isn't as like climatic as like, you know, a film watcher or whatever, but like that was his goal. Like his goal was, wasn't to get WWE because that almost would have been like cheating the system again, you know? And if he had like, let's just say like gotten inducted into the WWE hall of fame or something like that could have been an end goal that could have you know made the moment. But uh, that kind of would have came out of nowhere as well. You know, like that would have been mm-hmm. like, Oh wow. I didn't, we didn't even know he was in contact with WWE or something, you know, where, um, mm-hmm. or just like, Yeah. I, I kind of chalked it up to it's it's just a documentary or not just a documentary. It is a documentary. It's it's kind of depicting real life and he can only yeah. go as far as, you know, reality allows him to go. And uh, and I kind of it, it emotionally it did have kind of a satisfying ending for me, especially with like kind of that Luke Perry, uh, Luke Perry's son moment. That was kind of an emotional i don't know recognition type thing but um yeah it didn't really feel like a cinematic ending and and i could definitely see that uh one thing i i really liked about the movie is the idea of like is this character an inspiring character or is he or is he an inspirational character or is he like a cautionary tale character great Um, question sean i agree that's the that's the big question in the movie and yeah, so like, is is he like a slave to the whims of the public opinion and like his, the fact that he has this singular driving mindset um, and like just is it a story of self-destruction or is it a triumphant return or, 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 or um, you know, him proving himself to the world? And uh, I thought that was the probably the most interesting part of it, as well as, you know, really getting to see the industry. But um, <clears throat> I thought that was a do you, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Did, was uh, so did you guys kind of just go back take and it, forth Nick. or let's let's have Nick just take it. No, yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I yeah, I just I, I think that's like, yeah, like I said, I think that's the best question. And I think that weirdly the answer is both <laughs> because mm-hmm. like. Like, because it is, like, inspiring that he, like, sets off for his goal and, like, achieves it. And he does what he Mm -hmm. wants to do. But, like, the fundamental, like, drive to achieve that goal is, in my opinion, like, kind of, like, crazy. And at the whims of public opinion. Like, he's Mm -hmm. at a point in his career where his, uh, he's not really getting film roles. He's not really, like, doing, doing much of anything. But at the same time, he's got this, like, super hot wife. He's got, um, God. he's got like, uh, he's got kids, so you know, like, 
<laughs> he's got uh he's got he's a got nice kit. car nice house yeah, he's got a swimming pool you know he's got he's plenty of money. money like he definitely could like you know carve out a career as like you know a producer or like you know behind the scenes doing something or like an mm-hmm. acting coach or you know like a modest career you know what i mean like he could he could do something like that but instead he has to like you know uh go to Mexico and like train to be a wrestler that was like in a previous life, like 20 years ago, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like, part of it is kind of like part of it almost feels like a publicity stunt where like now, like he does this and maybe he can get other movie roles, you know? And I I do think he is in a few movies coming out, but Hmm. you know, it's, it's, it is like a way to get him back into public attention. And I, I, I mean, I think, he put the work in and I think he like earned the respect of a lot of people, but also like the drive to do such a thing is coming from a place of like, like why, why aren't you satisfied with just having like a family? Yeah. And it's almost like redirecting his addiction almost. It felt like to me, you know? Yep. But, you know, um, this the movie also, Brandon, you said uh, it reminded you of Super Size Me. It reminded me of I'm Still Here, the Joaquin Phoenix hip hop documentary. Mm-hmm. I didn't it's see like, it, but I know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it almost like while I was watching it, I was kind of going back and forth. Like, how much is it? Is this kind of staged? Is this like or, or at least the drama or like, how, you know, but <clears throat> yeah, kind of a guy who has a late, late career, you know, total change in what he's trying to do. And like it also how that, uh, is affected by the public opinion and all that stuff. So it really reminded me of that movie. But don't you think, but don't you think I'm still here was like totally a joke? Like, yeah, I, don't know, was, no, I feel was. like that movie was like totally pretend. Like he was yeah. never really trying to be a rapper. Like he was trying Ex- to like, correct. like do performance also, art. I also but don't all know if stuff... David Arquette would have made this documentary or would have done this if it wasn't being filmed. Yeah. But, but again though, David Arquette like sure. did like become like a real, he did actually become a yeah. real wrestler. I mean, so, say yeah, what you will, but like mm-hmm. he made the PWI 500, which is like, a kayfabe only mm-hmm. like mag like magazine of uh you know the 500 is a yearly edition that comes out where they rank the top 500 wrestlers in the world which that is a high number like 500 is a lot but also in the scheme of things there's like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of indie wrestlers like yeah, there's did walk so many promotions. really become a legitimate musician or i mean he kind of did he he did record an album i don't know if he ever put it out or anything but he like he recorded an album with uh, I don't know who, like some like Puff Daddy or something. Who was it? Uh, I don't know if anyone else saw the movie, but <laughs> I saw it, but it was a long time ago. And yeah. I don't know. I just remember like, like Casey Affleck directed that documentary. And yeah. I, yeah. I always think about him on Letterman and I'm like, come on. He, he, that's not uh, real. Like that's, that's yeah. not real. He's, yeah. he's acting <laughs> like that's funny, mm-hmm. you know, but, but it was also, I mean, not saying that this movie was, not real, but it was very similar in how he goes out and does these public appearances that, that really like baffle and confuse the public. Same with like David Arquette and like where he was going on to, uh, you know, talk shows and, and, uh, talking about coming out as a pro wrestler on what Conan or something. And, uh, is that, was that what happened? Like, I think, yeah, he came out as a wrestler on, on Conan. 
similarly to how Joaquin Phoenix came out as a rapper to uh, to David Letterman. And I don't know. I was just like, I felt like sure. there were a lot of similarities between those two movies. It's like, it's that, but not, yeah, for sure. Well, anyway, that's, uh, this movie is, uh, it's called You Cannot Kill David Arquette. Uh, it's available to stream on uh, video on demand, um, wherever wherever you choose to rent videos on demand. Uh, Derek, thanks for picking this movie. I thought it was really great. Uh, I don't mean to move on, cut you guys off or anything, but you know, we, we have a couple yeah. more movies to talk about. So, um, Brandon, you've got the next movie coming up, man. Another documentary. Uh, uh, do you want to set the two, table for it? To me, two really great documentaries and two really entertaining documentaries. Um, so boy state is documentary. Um, a, thousand 17 year old boys from texas uh, joined together to build a representative government from the ground up this is kind of like a model un week-long camp group but just for texas politics and uh like senior high school students um it's a really interesting like concept and i'm sure i mean definitely teaches people a lot these kids a lot um and it is a great idea to focus a documentary around just like this fake election process because to me it was just like you know it's kind of just watching like poppy reality tv except for it's actually real and there's a ton of substance to it um but as far as the pacing and what's actually happening on screen you know there's like drama there's people voting and people winning and losing and it was just like a awesome ride to watch um on a base level they at least had that but on top of that i think it is like endlessly fascinating watching these kids go through the motions that exist in the highest level of politics and them knowing what they need to do at 17 years old in order to win and um just the similarities that come up and everyone's playing a character um, all the different ways these kids uh, try to win. It's a very, very interesting to watch. And you definitely learn a lot. And, of course, it says a lot about our country. Um, I think what really puts this documentary over the edge is just this, is the right word, cathartic moment at the end with... Um, you know, kind of our, our lead guy, Steven, uh, his call with his mom mm-hmm. was so beautiful and it like hit me really, really hard. And yeah, I definitely had tears streaming down my face and I was yeah. just like, God damn, they lucked out on an ending. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> he's just sitting in a yeah. chair and anything could happen. They don't have like this beautiful moment couldn't easily just have never occurred and they captured it on film, and that was the last scene of the movie. And he um, gave that to them with a camera in his face. Yeah, and it's just like, like so perfect. Um, yeah. yeah, so like, they, yeah, they lucked the hell out, but yeah, it hit me really hard, guys, and mm-hmm. I was definitely crying along with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, great movie, structured incredibly well around this election, and so much to talk about, about these students and how they... Um, deal with uh being politic politicians mm-hmm. yeah it, it kind of like unintended i don't well i don't know what their intentions are but 
an aspect I really liked about it is the part of it that kind of dips into their age showing in like what they're doing. You know what I mean by that is like specifically there's like a a front runner like early on who's kind of like a goofy jockey guy that like everyone likes, you know? And it's like he's totally doing like the, I don't know, like the homecoming king kind of like mm-hmm. shtick. Going, to on, like, <laughs> going off of a two prom platform. Type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like <laughs> he's like he he's underestimating like the intelligence of mm-hmm. the people he's. Yeah. Because he's assuming they're all I mean, they are all high school students. Yeah. But he's thinking they're going to they're not going to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that was that it. was a big turning point for me in the movie. Like, I, I thought I kind of knew what the movie was and like where it was going. And um, <clears throat> and yeah, he was like this really obnoxious, annoying, loudmouth guy with these just ridiculous, you know, political stances. And then like he, he, he you know, they go into an interview with him and he goes, I actually don't believe anything that I'm talking about. I'm actually pro-choice. Yeah. And like, I <laughs> yeah. just, I'm just, this is about the election. I'm trying to, I'm playing this like a game. And then it's just like, it like took a turn for me in my head. Like the whole outlook on this movie was just like, oh, this is like, this is fucking so fascinating. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. th- like, really it's almost like digging into the the basics like the fundamentals of um of politics like you know how they say in college it's it's all about the fundamentals or or uh or, or sorry call in college football or, or college sports they talk about you know it's it's more about the fundamentals whereas like professional it's a lot more complex and too more complicated and it's hard to really see the the fundamentals of the players at work where whereas like the younger uh not as polished uh you know football players or sports uh, athletes in college it's it's more about like can they get the basics right and i feel like that's what this was it was like taking a look at politics from that like more fundamental level of like how does like getting people on your side work and how do you, how do you like pander to your base or like get a following of people? Um, and yeah, that was what really fascinated me about it. It was really just politics stripped down, uh, bare. Uh, it was absolutely fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and the, I had never heard of this type of thing before. Um, I, I brought it up with, uh, I brought it up at the dinner table after I watched it, and uh, my wife's dad actually went to uh, the uh, one in Washington when he was in high school, and oh, wow. so like it's you know it's something they they do these all over the country, and mm-hmm. uh, like they have they have girls ones too, and apparently in California they have it's like men and women, it's girls and boys uh, doing it together, which. Honestly, I think that might be like maybe better in a lot of ways, like in terms of like imagine. realism. But um, in terms yeah. of like a documentary, I think it does like make a pretty interesting look at it being like mm. boys because, uh, you know, 17 year old boys are, <laughs> you know, 17 year old boys, you know, uh, it's Everything's like a joke. 
Yeah, and mm-hmm. but then like also like you know you guys touched on it before where like uh, there was the, you know, the 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 lead guy I think Steve Garza is that the lead guy where yeah. he uh, yeah. you know he had this line in the beginning that like that like I found very inspiring that was like he believes that um, we actually all crave um, gosh what was it we all crave like unity or um, um, it was more of a political turn but. Uh, we like we all crave yeah we all crave like partisanship like we actually like actually deep down want to like agree with each other which like mm-hmm. i don't know is like the opti- optimistic side of me you know in terms of like real life politics like i i wish i believed that you know the optimistic part of me wants to believe that that's how americans actually are like we we want to find middle ground we want to compromise we want to like get along but you know it's like but then you see like what's actually happening. It's like, man, there's so much tribalism going on and people just like pick their side and stick with it no matter what. And it's just like, it's just rough, you know, but either way, I'm sorry, I don't mean to go on this tangent, but you know, I thought that was like, he was doing great for most of this. And then it's like, Mm -hmm. what was so wild was like, you know, again, it like reflects what happens in real life where like one little thing happens and then like had really nothing to do with him either. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing to do with him. And it was also like, you know, like it was it was spun to be like malicious. But, you know, it, it might not have been. It didn't really seem like it at mm-hmm. the time. And, it, um, you know, that basically like changed the whole election that changed everything. Mm-hmm. You're talking and, about you him, know, his uh, his like assistant shutting down the Q&A. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't his assistant, but yeah, it was like, it was like someone position. that was part of his party. It was the the he, guy who was head of the party, who was also a like a re, more regional uh, leader as well, and and him as a regional leader shut down the opposing uh, politician, the the opposing governor um, or or guy who was running for governor, yeah. and because he was also the head of the the other party, the opposing party, they spun that as being favor, you know, showing favoritism and, um, yeah, shutting down the other party for his own benefit, for the benefit of his own party. And, uh, yeah, it seemed that other guy, like uh, opposite the guy we're talking about was so good. Yeah. He's so, they were both ready for this. Oh yeah. It was crazy and, seeing them like, kick into like action on both sides. Yeah. And that that yeah. one guy, the guy who with the glasses, the one with the glasses, had the sickest burn I've seen in a while. In like this, at the end of the movie. No, like when you know, so there's the whole thing about him uh imp- impeaching him. Like his right. whole party was or like there was there's all this stuff about a bunch of people trying oh, yeah, to impeach yeah. him, like hashtag impeach him or something. And, uh, and then in one of the things he, he's like, someone motioned to impeach him and he says, okay, I'll open this up to the floor for a, a, a vote. And so anyone who wanted him to be impeached, wanted to proceed with impeachment, stand up and like 12 guys stand up and he goes, oh good. You guys can start a regional basketball team or, you know, a, a little league basketball team. Yeah, it was <laughs> I was just like, oh, that was so good. Yeah. It was like, yeah. there's no way I could, you know, come up with that. It's such a sick bird <laughs> on the spot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I think there's like a, 
you know, I think there's like a nugget of this movie, like, you know, Derek, I feel like you were maybe alluding to like being like, kind of like left sour with this movie. Um, and yeah. I think there's like, I think really this movie is really shows like, 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 I think it's a, it's a totally fair question. Like what, what, how did you guys come out of this movie? Like, was it inspiring for the future or was it like, was it like sour for the present? I I felt it was honest. I felt like it was truth. Like it's, I loved like the, the whole arc of the movie where it started out. You're just looking at these kids. You're like, what the hell is going on? Like these, a bunch of punk kids just yelling and screaming at each other, taking, you know, being sarcastic about everything. And then like this one politician comes in and changes the whole thing. He like treats them with respect and, and asks that they treat him with respect. And it like, it takes this really interesting turn for so long. And then like, but then yeah, the, the messiness of politics gets into it and, and, um, and you get to see that down and dirty fight, um, playing out throughout the movie. And then like in the end, it's like, yeah, it's, I don't know if it's supposed to be hopeful or, or discouraging, but it was, it was definitely, I think, I feel like it, there was a lot of truth that played out in the movie. And yeah, I found it fascinating that it was something, a spin. I, I, and I would actually, I would like to, I wish they had talked about like what the actual voting numbers are. Did he lose by, you know, 30 votes or did he, did he get, you know, wiped out by hundreds of votes or, you know, but yeah, I mean, and and like just for this little kind of almost petty thing to come in at the last second and, and change the, the whole, the whole game. And, and, uh, that's what, I think that's what the movie is saying, uh, was what defeated him. Um, but yeah, I just, I found it fascinating. I, I guess the reason why it kind of left me with the sour note is it, it, you know, like you were saying, like they're, they're doing, it's kind of like fundamental politics and it kind of showed that the way the system works, the dirtiest player pretty much always wins. And well, there's no, not, I, I would, I don't think that was the point of it because like I don't the, think the dirtiest the point, player definitely didn't that's win. what it showed. Well, the dirtiest player definitely didn't win. It was, the dirtiest player was that the guy from the beginning who was just, you know, changing up his viewpoints. And uh, well, know, I guess I didn't really even consider him like as part of it. Well, he, he was lost so quickly. He was so. unauthentic, though. Like, I mean, he didn't. Mm-hmm. Stick yeah, his, he was unauthentic. Like, yeah. So I, the, because it's not like there's sides that are right and wrong in in this like in this situation mm-hmm. here. There's not like. Like the the party that won wasn't like the bad guys. Yeah, you know they might be like the opponents because we kind of see it from Steve Garza's point of view. But but they do. But I think they they were like winning was was more important than like Steve Garza seemed like he had a lot more heart mm-hmm. and a lot more like he cared more about like like if he was actually in this position. He would be the guy that cares more about actually helping people mm-hmm, is what right. it, it kind of. And then it was like, well, but that's not the person that wins. And it probably won't ever really be that person right. that wins is the way I, it kind of ended for me. It's like, oh, well, one, that's like, the bully lining I got out of it, though, on top of that was that like 
two like crazy smart people did win. And mm. like you said, like, um, you know, the guy with the scars on his arm, like was like, was so good. And so, yeah. uh, so into it and hardworking and mm. smart. Um, and then also they talked about the other guy was just like super well-spoken, like intellectual mm-hmm. guy. Um, so like, I just thought like, regardless of, even though Steven, the guy we want to win, didn't win, like, you know, it wasn't just some like popular bozo who mm-hmm. also won. It was like a really smart, hardworking team that did win. Yeah. Right. And who, no one's to say that like their values are worse than Steve Garza's, but it just like, I don't know. That's just the the way it kind of left me is it was like the guys that really want to win more are going to win. And we have to really pray that they're the ones that also have our best interest in mind, you know, and those things aren't mutually exclusive. I guess another thing is like something that lines up a lot is as, uh, you know, as many problems as the system does have, it, it does do a good job of weeding out, disingenuine people and um you know it it really did show that people do respond to uh people who are authentic and speak from the heart and and really do want to do good and um and i i was kind of i was kind of left optimistic like this new generation of kids who you know does have this reputation you know every generation has a reputation um you know we were the lazy generation or I don't know, whatever. Uh, you know, we had our reputation and the generation before us had our, their reputation. Now it's like everyone's sarcastic in here and no one wants to take anything seriously. That's the reputation they have. But the, the like almost character arc of the, of the, the people of boy state, not the, not the main characters, but like the population, the, the, uh, you know, the city is a character type thing. Um, <clears throat> like their character arc throughout the movie, I thought was really interesting too. going from a bunch of rowdy teenage boys into realizing that they have to start taking things seriously and they need to grow up, uh, in order to enter this in, in order to play this game, in order to, to, um, work with the system. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think it was all one thing. It was, it, optimistic or or pessimistic i think it was just kind of a real honest depiction of of uh the reality of the system definitely provide a lot of insight to the system for sure i learned a lot um but yeah i mean so that was that was boy state um that movie is available on apple tv plus so if if you have apple tv plus then you can definitely watch on there um I feel like a lot of people don't know that they have it. Like if you if you bought a iPhone in the or an Apple product in the last year, like you you have it. So um, yeah, and I think you can also uh, rent it on streaming service other streaming services. So uh, again, that was they do have a seven day free trial. That's what I used. Totally. So um, yeah, that movie is 
uh, Boy State, and it's a documentary. We all highly recommend watching it. So uh, we're going to go into our final movie uh, of 2020 that we are going to talk about for this episode. Um, and that was my pick, and it's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. This movie is uh, available on Netflix right now, and it's the new Charlie Kaufman movie. Real quick, I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Uh, full of misgivings, a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents' secluded farm. Upon arriving, she comes to question everything she thought she knew about him and herself. Um, it's much better than the letterbox description, by the way. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm a huge Charlie Kaufman fan. Uh, I kind of put Charlie Kaufman uh, into a category of like filmmakers that got me into like caring about film, you know, between being John Malkovich, John Sunshine, Spotless Mind, Adaptation. These are movies that like kind of changed my perspective of what movies can be. And he wrote all those movies. He didn't direct them. And then he's transitioned into being a director. And um, he's only this is his third directed movie. Um, his first one was Synecdoche, New York, and I think that is a masterpiece in its own right, but it's also extremely, extremely complicated and uh, hard to follow. And Animal Lisa to me was like, I was kind of disappointed with Animal Lisa. Um, it was, I thought it was good, but not really nearly as like interesting or intriguing as his other movies. But he's definitely known to, um, be, uh, you know. Uh, off tilter, you know, he, uh, he makes movies that don't necessarily make sense. Um, they're, they're often, he used to be known to be like meta, like inside of movies, like he's referencing real life stuff that it's a movie or whatever. Um, but you know, he, he usually takes big concepts and, um, tells them in a creative, interesting way. Um, and, uh, this movie was just like that, you know, and I didn't, I didn't watch the trailer or anything going into this movie. Um, so I really, I really had no idea what to expect. And, uh, man, I was enthralled immediately. Like I was just, I was hooked right from the get go. And the, the beginning of the movie is just, um, the two main characters, uh, Jesse Plemons and Jesse Buckley, um, driving to, um, driving to his, his parents' house. And they're on this long road, it's a snowy road, and they're just talking for the longest time. And uh, their conversation's kind of going all over the place. But at least for me, I was like, I was so interested in everything. It was one of those things where the dialogue was so strong that I was like, wow. Like, I just was into it. And then it's, uh, it's well over 20 minute scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, uh, it's, I checked. It's long. Yeah. And, yeah. and then. And then they get to his parents' house and things start getting real weird. You know, like they uh, they have dinner, but like um, things are kind of like flashing between like time, kind of like um, his parents are uh, getting old and young and they don't seem all cognitively there or maybe they're like overbearing, like they kind of are all over the place. And uh all sorts of weird stuff starts happening and you kind of, you're not really sure. And then they, and then they drive home and that's another long drive. And that, that's like the rest of the movie basically. <laughs> and, um, you know, there was a point where, um, I was watching it. Like I watched, I turned it on at like 6am cause I got up with my daughter and I just was like, you know, I'm going to turn this movie on now. It's early. I'm just gonna turn it on. And, uh, my wife came upstairs, um, 
at the part where they were talking about the movie uh, A Woman Under the Influence. And I knew that she wanted to watch the movie. She, she likes Charlie Kaufman just like I do. And uh, But like I was so interested in whatever they were talking about with A Woman Under the Influence that like I was like, I just need to finish this scene. And then they ended up talking about that movie for like 10 or 15 minutes. Like seriously, it was like <laughs> they were just talking about that movie for so long. And she's like berating him about it. Like just like he's like, oh, I, I, I agree. You know, and then um, but anyway, what's what's my point? I, 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 it's just um, <laughs> um, the, anyway, I eventually put on pause because I was like, this is the new Charlie Kaufman movie. Like and she's like, oh, thank you for putting on pause. But holy shit, what the hell was happening? And I'm like, I actually don't even really know, but uh, I can't <laughs> wait to find out, you know, and um, I feel like this is a fair point did. to say. Well, I think, I think I figured, I think I know what happens in this movie. I feel like, uh, I feel like there's, there's, there's a lot for up for interpretation. There, there's, there's, you could definitely come to your own conclusion with this movie. Like, absolutely. There's all sorts of different threads, but I think there's a lot, there's a lot of detail there and all the detail I think comes back around. And, you know, if you, if you dig into it and find the, you know, context clues, then, um, I think there, I think it all does make sense. Um, but it definitely is a movie that's not for everybody. And I also think that, like at this point we, we have to like decide if we're going to like talk about what we think that happens in this movie. And if we are, then like spoilers also, it's like, it is up for interpretation. So it's not necessarily spoilers. It's like, yeah. it's not really a movie you can spoil. Um, you can really spoil. So I think we should just go for it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. if you want to watch it, just, just turn it on Netflix right now and then come back and yeah. And uh, finish this up. <clears throat> yeah. But, the thing, the thing yeah. is, it reminded me most of like Mulholland Drive, you know, where like Mulholland Drive is a uh, it, most of the movie is just like a masturbatory fantasy. Like that's most of the movie. And then uh, I kind of feel like this is similar in a lot of ways. Like it turns out that, you know, um, Jesse Buckley is. Um, you know, she's, that's the girl in the movie and the whole movie's from her perspective up until, up until it's not. And, uh, I think, I think the whole movie was Jesse Plemons as an old man contemplating his suicide and then ultimately committing suicide, but like reevaluating like all sorts of decisions that he didn't make in his life and, uh, kind of living a fantasy, um, before his ultimate suicide. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 to me, it's like, it's, it's brutal. You know, it's like really, really sad. And, uh, it's also really scary in some parts. Like the, the way this movie messes with tone is super fascinating to me, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I kind of talk about this all the time where like, like I kind of have issues when movies are tonally all over the place, but uh, unless, unless they do it well, and then I love it, you know, like Parasite, like Parasite was a movie that, you know, switched the tones like at the, at the drop of a dime, but oh man, like it did it so well. And that's how this movie was for me. Like there were scenes where the suspense built up so much. Yeah, it's, it's kind of always ominous mm-hmm. in some way mm-hmm. throughout yeah. the movie. Feel like something bad's happening but yeah and ultimately yeah i think it is like it's it's leading to you know uh a character suicide and it's like it's ultimately like there's I like that theory there, i like that a lot. there's this doom that's just coming and coming but uh but then there's that part where there's a musical you know and uh hmm. boy <laughs> what was that you know <laughs> so mm-hmm. um 
I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think this was Charlie Kaufman's best directed film. I don't know if it reaches the same height as like being John Malkovich or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but um, I, I definitely thought this was his best directed film. And uh, it kind of like mm. kind of revigorated my like love and appreciation for Charlie Kaufman. But I also don't think this movie's for everybody. And I think that like a lot of people could walk away from this saying like, fuck this movie. <laughs> that was bullshit, you know? And <laughs> I don't know. It's a fair assessment. Definitely, probably. like, I think I just love his sensibilities as a filmmaker and a writer. Like the things he likes to do, I just I like all of that. But I think he's functioning on like this level that I can't keep up with. Like, like I wa- I remember watching. I don't even know how to say a synecdoche, New York, and like the, I had a similar experience as watching this movie, where I'm just like. Like an hour and a half in, I had no idea what the fuck was happening in the movie. Yeah. And like, it's just so, I guess meta is a good, I mean, this one I don't think is like that, that whole movie's point was meta, but this, this felt different, but I just like everything about the movie's great. Like everything worked for me. I I love the actors. I love the look and like the framing, like it's shot in a weird aspect ratio too, isn't Mm -hmm. it? This movie was this four yeah, by three. Like, I don't think it's four by three. It's a little wider. Close than to that. it. It's yeah, yeah. It's a little bit wider. Mm. But um, five by three. <laughs> Did you look no. it up, or are you just guessing? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, four by yeah, like two point five. Like if you pick any single scene, like if you just like pull a frame out and hand it to me, like I know I I love that scene. It the, the look like the the acting like what happens in it but i can't really contextually tell you what happens in it at any point and i guess that's my only problem with the movie when i come out of it is like i'm glad you had a theory nick because i really had nothing i was like i don't know what that was it looked awesome the whole time i had a blast watching it and like every actor was engaging and i was like into every conversation that they had but yeah, I just came out of it like, what the fuck was that? I don't. I'm kind of on the, in I the same no boat idea. as you, Derek. Uh, I I really did enjoy the entire movie. Um, I think like at the end, I yeah, I didn't quite have enough of it put together in my head for the ending to like kind of come together and have a realiz- realization of what was going on. But really, I think the the main like. Almost for me, the main joy of, of watching this movie or a movie like this is the uh, like the conversation afterwards. Like what was what was all that about? What was like, you know, why? Who was the the guy in the the, the janitor? Or obviously you kind of that's that's one you can put together. But like kind of what was the movie about and really getting to pick pick apart all the different scenes. And I think this movie is just so rich with that kind of stuff. And there's so much there in this movie that you can can pull apart and dissect and like like try to figure out how all the pieces fit together um not even necessarily in a way that ends up making you know totally making sense um but i just like that's the real joy i get out of a movie like this um is the conversations after and um, well, did you guys did you guys watch it with anyone like were you able to have like did you watch oh, yeah. it with kelly did you have a conversation actually i did i did watch it with kelly and yeah we we sat for a good hour 45 minutes to an hour afterwards just Damn. 
just working on it. Well, I was, <laughs> like, uh, like, I was like, this is the movie and not Mulan. I would have wished we watched outside in your projector. Yeah. Like with everybody. If it had, had happened, um, that would have mm-hmm. been so great. Yeah. Ian Phoenix had a long talk about it. After. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got philosophical. Um, um, yeah, yeah, Derek. Hashtag deep. Derek, you, yeah, you said it like so well. To me, this movie was like so brilliantly put together. Like I was blown away at what Charlie Kaufman was able to direct. Um, like so well, like acted and shot and the sets and the like really interesting editing. I was like extremely on board for. And I loved the opening 20 minute like monologue and conversation. I was getting like really into the like deep conversations about death and the end of everything. And like, I think that's just like such a heavy, scary subject to put um, into dialogue in your movie. And of course, like Charlie Kaufman is just like, can so poetically like tackle it. Um, And yeah, fuck the, like the second car ride afterwards was getting really intense for me i was like this guy's a serial killer like she's a goner and i guess maybe she's she was a goner in the end but not in the way i was expecting um but then yeah i've no i the last two i was i under felt like i understood everything or what i was trying to go for until the pig and the um a, a beautiful mind acceptance speech which was literally the beautiful mind Russell Crowe acceptance speech, right? That's my understanding. Like word for word. I don't what? I don't really? remember it, but Yeah. That is my was understanding. That, was that, that was it the was it when he won the Academy Award or was it uh, no, like no, no. the speech when, in the movie? In like, the movie. Um, it was the dialogue yeah, from yeah. the film A Beautiful yeah. Mind. Right. It's it's line for line. Um yeah. And I guess he was was he singing just Oklahoma, right? It was uh it was uh from the from the Musical Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. I didn't really know, but I was just assuming. Okay, okay. But yeah, the the beautiful mind thing threw me for a curveball. I was just like, what is going on? Here? But it doesn't matter because the movie is so good. And it, like Sean said, it's just like you have, now you have shit to talk about. And mm-hmm. well, like, it. so would you guys, would you guys consider like watching it again? Like after like reading more about it or something? Like, I mean, like, absolutely. Yes. I, I was going to bring that up. Like, this is one of the few movies that I feel like I need to see again because I, I feel like I got a lot out of it, but I, I feel like there's so much more there. And I just, and I, I liked it enough that I want to know. The dialogue mm-hmm. like, is I so want dense. to have more. I would opinion. love to like, yeah. I would catch yeah. so much more, even just in those car scenes that I was missing because mm-hmm. yeah. they're yeah. just, it just goes on and on. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, totally... I think I, I also want to say I loved in that, um, the way her voiceover kept getting interrupted over yeah. and over again throughout the movie. That yeah. was so brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Like even to the point where she like finishes the conversation with him, turns away, like thinks a word and a half yeah. And then immediately gets interrupted again. Like, yeah. and was did so she turn into a different actor at some point? At one point, yeah, or like one shot, yeah. Which is yeah. I feel like it was like a con- it was like a combination of a lot of different fantasies he was having. That's why, like at the yeah. end, I felt like there are all those well, different women she, that were in the audience, and it was like he also was, the the girl she turns into is from a show they were watching earlier. The mm. Robert Zemeckis movie. 
right? Oh, Wasn't it? Yeah, like, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah, like one of the clues that the janitor is like the same person as like Jesse Plemons. Yeah. I mean, I think like it's the janitor's suicide thinking uh, about like what could have been um, like what. It, and I think like it's not specific to one person because like so not only does she change actresses uh, at, at one point in the movie, but like she has different backstories. At one point, she says like. She grew up on a farm. At another yeah. point, she says she's, she like yeah, she grew apartment. up in in an apartment. Yep. And uh, her profession, she's yeah, like studying her, everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there. exactly. And she's an artist, artist and a poet. Po- and, yeah, uh, poet. Her name changes uh, a bunch too. Whoa. Yeah, her physicist. name changes all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's really interesting. Like how it, I I think it was him, like all the different loves of his life, or all the different women who who he's been with, you know, going over um, how it could have been different. She's from uh, Chernobyl. And yes. I was totally trying to figure out yes. how I knew her face. But she just has like a great presence to her. Yeah, definitely. She did really good. And Jesse yeah, Plemons is always like unique mm-hmm. and special. Yeah. Also, I used to think Jesse everyone, Plemons was a poor man's Paul Thomas Anderson, or not Paul Thomas Anderson, a poor man's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yes. Because yes. I feel like they look kind of like, The first time I saw him was in The Master, but. It, wow. It's Philip Seymour Hoffman combined with Matt Damon. Oh my gosh. I had, but I had so just. Good, though. I just watched the night before watched the episode of Breaking Bad where he shoots that kid. And, oh, and so yeah. like as soon as I Lose. see him in this movie, I'm like, oh, this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you know what this movie really in like aesthetically is similar is everyone except for Tony Collette are from the Fargo TV yes. series. Yeah. Oh. oh, really? And, uh, yeah. And Jesse Buckley's in the new season that just started on. Sunday. The the father David Thewlis did a great job yeah. alongside of Tony. Yeah. Obviously Tony Collette is just brilliant, but like he kept yeah. up right with her for oh, sure. Yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. They're really good. Yeah, it's Lupin. Yeah, I was going to say he's in Harry Potter, Lupin. right? Yeah. 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 Um Yeah, so I mean yeah. good. I thought this good, movie good. was pretty great. Um, you know, uh, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Um oh, you know, yeah. uh I feel like uh, I, 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 Sean, I'm totally with you. Like for me, I feel like I got so much more out of this because like, like I finished watching it and I loved it. And then like, like a day later, Shan watched it. And then we like, like I watched the ending a second time, like while she was like, I kind of came back into the room and like rewatched the ending with her. And then we like talked about it like for like an hour and we like worked out a bunch of stuff. And she was actually the one who was like telling me like, I think he committed suicide. Like that's what that was. And oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like, and then doing further reading, it's like put pieces together. And I fully intend on rewatching this before the podcast, just because I really wanted to have a better idea of like what I really thought about this movie. But, um, I didn't, I didn't have time, but I'm definitely going to rewatch it before the end of the year, uh, because I think it's going to make my top 10. But yeah, um, I do want to say that spoiler alert. Jeez, I mean, Nick, I, I know I, we just, we already I mean, gave a spoiler warning, but this is just just this is just me speculating. That. I'm not saying it's my number three or something. It's just speculating. I'm right you know, there that with you. Nick. But um, I do I do highly recommend David Chen put out a, a YouTube video of like his take on it, and he did a lot of research and um, hmm. like put 
put pieces together that were like like he he did the research and like I found out through his video that like that uh, that whole bit I was talking about about uh, a woman under the influence apparently that is actually a review um, like a pretty famous review of that movie like just like he quoted uh, um, a beautiful mind that's basically just like that is someone's review of um, of that movie and uh, I mean I think that reflects like the character the character is like well, I guess it does make sense that he's like quoting these real life things because he, he would know those real life things <laughs> and he actually saw a beautiful mind yeah in and his fantasy so crazy, mm-hmm. right yeah. and there there are things that he found inspiration from and yeah. so it's like like he's putting things that he that inspired him into his fantasy but um so yeah i don't know i highly recommend watching uh yeah. you know dave chen's video because you know i think he did a really good job with that it. dance scene was beautiful yeah you do so you well know. choreographed oh my god See, Brandon, like, I'm so happy you like this movie because, like, you know, we've talked about it before. Like, you're not so into, like, you know, interpretation and, like, you know, Themes. what's this movie about and, you know, stuff like that. But I was like, I was like, I wonder if I think Brandon's going to love this movie, though, just because of, like, how well it's directed. Just <laughs> you know, like, like the mm-hmm. veil floating down on her head. It's just like there's just so yeah. many creative, beautiful ideas everywhere. Like, who thought of that? It just looks so great. Yeah. Even that little touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. I so point out too, it is. It's based on a book too that uh, uh, it sounds like is is a much more literal telling of this story, from what I understand. Right. Yeah. So. <clears throat> totally. And then he put a spin on it. The Kaufman yeah. spin. Mm-hmm. Um. But I do think we should wrap it up, though, guys. We're kind of going long, so yeah, let's um, do it. Yeah, so uh, that was our final movie. So real quick, we're going to go over our picks for next month. So for the month of October, we're going to uh, talk about, uh, yeah, we're real, real quick going to run through uh, what we are choosing to watch. And n- all four of us don't have to watch it. Like, it's not a requirement that you have to watch it, but uh, it is encouraged that you watch it. It's, hey, come on, guys. There's 2020 movies that are out. They're coming out. Let's let's be on top of this. Um but uh, for the film club, whatever movie is picked for the film club, all four of us have to watch it. So um, we'll go over the film club last. And Derek, you're doing the film club for this this month. So real quick, Sean, what movie are you picking for 2020? Well, I'm stealing the movie that Nick was going to do. Um, she Dies Tomorrow. Uh, I pretty much just listened to a slash film uh, episode where they talked briefly about it and I was really fascinated and was super interested in it. So, uh, the synopsis is a little, or, or, uh, Amy thinks she's dying tomorrow and it's contagious. And, uh, yeah, it sounds super interesting and it's, it's not what she's dying of. My understanding is it's not what she's dying of. That's contagious. It's believing that you're going to die tomorrow is contagious. So, yeah. It sounds like a really fascinating movie, and yeah, Sean, I had this on my uh, short list of movies I was gonna make, I was gonna pick for this month. But uh, for me, I'm What's also doing on? horror movie month, so um, mm. you know, I had it on my horror movie month list. So I'm psyched that you're picking it. Um, I didn't even think about horror movie month till just now. <laughs> oh God, it's October. Um, Sean, what <laughs> streaming site is it on? <laughs> oh yeah, I looked that up. I think it's just uh, Amazon anywhere rental. Yeah, it's, okay. it's yeah. video on demand. So yeah, we, we'll yeah, video v- it, VOD. So. Uh, Brandon, what movie are you picking? 
I'm picking uh, The Boys in the Band, um, which is a remake of a 1971 film, which is an adaptation of the 1968 off-Broadway play um, about uh, a group of gay friends in New York City, West Village, hanging out, I guess. I don't know too much about it, but this like predates Stonewall and it was very revolutionary when it was up on stage and nothing like this had ever been seen before. And hmm. yeah, 1968. So that'll be cool when, seeing, when was having Stonewall? that in the back of my mind. Was that 70s? What? When was Stonewall, Brandon? 1969. 70s? Stonewall? One year later. Oh, okay. Yeah, so right before? Yeah. yeah. And this is just oh. premiered on Netflix like a few days ago. So brand new. Yeah. Oh, also the cast is insane. It's like every single Hollywood gay A-lister is one of the mm-hmm. boys in the band. So very it's true. Pretty all-star yeah. studded for sure. Great pick. Uh, very excited to watch that one. It's on Netflix. So, uh, Derek, what movie are you picking? I'm picking The Trial of the Chicago Seven. All right. Um, uh, all damn. I need to know about it is that it's Aaron Sorkin's second directorial movie that he also wrote, and so on. I'm in. And that'll be premiering on Netflix October 16th. I really don't know anything about it. I'm not familiar with what that is. Um, but I just know that I like pretty much everything he does. So I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's like a courtroom drama from what I understand. But um, yeah. Right, that's what I figured. I mean, it's called not, The Trial. Yeah. So I guess I, I'm providing yeah. <laughs> your insight to that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm picking a movie called Dick Johnson is Dead. Um, I kind of thought I was going to pick a horror movie, but, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, this is actually a documentary that, um, got a lot of buzz coming out of Sundance. I don't know if it won, but, um, it's been on my radar all year. Um, it's like on Letterboxd, it's like number one or two on their like highest rated movies of the year. It's getting just totally positive reviews. And it's, it's wow. apparently about this, about this, um, father who's dying and they like stage a funeral for him like in secret or something I, i'm not totally sure but it's like it's an op from what i understand it's like an optimistic take on 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 dying and saying goodbye and um i mean maybe i'm saying too much using the word optimistic because i haven't seen the movie yet but you know it it's it's just getting rave reviews and it sounds fantastic and so um and it's gonna be on netflix so i'm just psyched that it's it's going to be on Netflix, I think, like next week, um, October second, so uh, tomorrow. So Three uh, by the time you listen films. to this, wow, going hard, dude. There's year. there's yeah. a bunch of good movies like coming out. I mean, there's another documentary on Amazon Prime that called Time that looks great. Netflix also has a remake of Alfred Hitchcock movie Rebecca. That's that looks really interesting, and hmm. um, there's a few good movies that are coming out this month that are straight to VOD. So. Um, yeah. For all of us who have been starved for movies um, because we have anything in theaters, it feels like it, it kind of feels like award season is coming still. And like, you know, I kind of like, you know, we had that whole discussion about Mulan and the money being on the screen. But like, I don't kind of I kind of wonder, like, can you appreciate an awards movie just as well, like on your TV? If it, you know, I, I kind of think you might be able to. So um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of eager to have these critically acclaimed movies come out so yeah anyway uh derek uh for for film club what was uh what was your pick yes so i'm sticking with my trend of picking first films of directors we all enjoy and so So this time i'm choosing 
1996 film Pusher. It was Nicholas Wending Refn's first movie. Oh, what? And um, yeah, it's kind of, it's a crime movie, and I I've always heard it's really great. So, so you haven't it's actually Wendy seen this movie? I have not seen okay. it. Okay. So um, Nicholas Wining Refn, the same guy who did Drive. Drive and, isn't his uh, first Demon movie. World. It's his ninth <laughs> movie. What? Yeah, dude. He did like yeah. a bunch of movies before. I've Drive. actually seen. Yeah. I've seen. A, I, I saw a bunch this. of his movies before Drive, too. <laughs> That's cool, uh, Derek. So, uh, yeah, but, um, we're all into. Good job, we have to rent. We'll have to rent that one, too. Okay. Where's this from? Is this. Uh... Anyways. Oh, and it's like one of Mads Mikkelsen's first movies, too, I think. It's a Danish film. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and from what I understand, like, we should be able to watch it on Tubi TV or uh, rent on, on demand or something. So it should be available. Yeah, on I know Amazon has it so. for sure. Um, cool. Well, that was a fun episode, guys. Uh, you know, thanks for uh, being here and talking about movies uh, for uh, an hour and a half. And uh, this has been the Monthly Movie Dispatch. So, um Signing off until next time. Bye-bye. Later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.